I, I know what you mean because I've done one of these conversations where I gave the headphones to somebody else and said, okay, okay. You, you do it. And it was a liberation. Yeah. I was like, wow, I can just sit here, he's got to <laughs> ask me stuff. Yeah. And, and when it's coming into your headphones, it's much more intense, isn't it? Mm, like, it is. you feel able to speak more freely when you haven't got the yeah, headphones okay, on. Yeah, okay, Which I guess is good. That's interesting, yeah. I don't, I don't wear headphones when I do my conversations. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I don't. Maybe I should. Well, I find that there's advantages and disadvantages. It sort of takes me a little bit out, maybe, yeah, of the yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. But it also focuses me on what, what the person's saying. Yeah, yeah. And no. because I'm a little bit less, as we were saying, off mic professional than you are, <laughs> um, it means I can sort of move the microphone around a yeah, little you bit can when, do I, a little when thing. I'm when I'm when I'm yeah, yeah. noticing that people can't aren't picking up. Yeah. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Carl James. Hello, Carl. Hello, Dave. <laughs> it's nice to say hello to you face to face. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, we've... Okay, well, yeah, that's, that's the first question that I okay. ask, is okay. how do you know me? Oh, that's a nice question. How do I know you? Well, I don't know you, no. I know of you. That's, I, I think we've, we're both equal on that. Right? In there, yeah, which is exciting. And I like the fact you've turned the microphone on so early. <laughs> nice, because it means we're going to get the real deal here. Yeah. God, how do I know you, Dave? Can I just think about that for a second? You can. Did I come across your podcasts? first or did you email me I, first I approached you first. was it after the story that's right oh the story yeah that was a nice February day wasn't it yeah that was a lovely day I was blown away by that day oh, that's a big day man yeah I came after Adam Curtis that's do you remember right. Adam Curtis Cur- Adam Curtis Ooh. it was just the, the whole lineup. there were some major players there Graham Linehan was there and Corey Doctorow Corey Doctorow um, Cornelia Parker yeah. Sculptress yeah that's right oh she was she was really she was beautiful and do you remember that amazing guy who took those photographs in Kenya yes yeah, he yeah. was my favourite oh was, was he yeah I loved him yeah okay and you emailed me after that and you that's were in the right. okay. I was very lucky to be taken along to that with some people I was working with at the time a, a podcast filter assistant that's now called the Super Owl I'm not okay. working with them anymore but they okay, were okay. I was at the time and they took me along nice. the story and I've not been to anything like that really before because mm. I'm out of the loop you know the creative loop I, I'm very much independent yeah. uh, and I, I often deliberately no not okay not it, it, it just happened that way yeah, it yeah. might be at, it might be part of my nature, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But I'd really like to be in the loop, but I'm not quite... Interesting, But, I mean, it was... For, for me, it was a fascinating sort of day because I'd never been to a sort of conference like that and it was lots of people talking about different ways of telling stories. Mm. And I was kind of starstruck the whole day, like Alex Kritowski, who yeah. does the Tech Weekly podcast, mm-hmm. and she was also... She did a series on the internet, on TV. She was sort of standing behind me and I was okay. kind of very... You know, and I was tweeting about that and aware that she, she probably read that tweet now you know yeah. that weird sort of experience yeah. and then yeah every act every kind of person who stood up on stage blew me away but then my mind didn't have time to 
process that mm, before mm, it was yeah. a new yeah, idea, a new direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were one of those people. Yeah. You got up on stage and you, well, you, you talked about the dialogue project. Yeah, I did my 20 minutes on, on uh, story listening. That's right. As opposed to storytelling, yeah. That's right, and that that talk you did then is available online as well. I'll put a it link is. up to it. Yeah, on, lovely. There's a little podcast this. of it. Yeah, I've started to do that a lot, kind of for the reason you've just mentioned that I think that when you are at a live event, especially when there's like a parade of people, yeah. and it was just bang, 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 wasn't it, one after the yeah. other? Uh, there is no time to absorb at all. And I don't know about you, but you know when you when you spent time making something, whether it's a piece of music, or I suppose it must be the same if you make visual art. It's kind of a bit, oh man, is that it? Is that all the attention you can give this? And so I, I thought, yeah, maybe if people want to listen to it again, then I'll put it out. So I did that. No, it's really worth listening to. I think. Okay. I mean, and I I went to your website based on that day, right. and then I commented on. I was giving. I sort of was suggesting that you might want to do it as a podcast yes that's right and and sort of giving you some suggestions of how to go about that yes you did and oh man I am so embarrassed I so owe you a big thank you Lipsin (laughs) I'm a Lipsin man now ah yeah that's how I do my podcast on iTunes it's a good good service and I put one up at half past three this morning so there we go there you go thank you Dave you're you're very welcome (laughs) I'm a a massive massive fan as I know you are too of just the listening thing yeah me too me yeah as I think you say. there's I think there is something something that happens when you can only listen that you that, that doesn't happen when you can see as well because of course you can see stuff you can see your kitchen or you can see the road ahead of you or you can see and it's, yeah, it's the same principle as radio isn't it the pictures are better but I don't think it's just the pictures are better I think there is for me there's something about I, I tell you what this so this experience we're having now yeah no one else will see this no, no one knows what colour shirt or whether I'm wearing yeah, a jumper absolutely. Or, and, and so what they're left with is the listening bit and, and I think that if someone were filming this they would be devastated by how handsome we both were oh of course but once they got over themselves they don't have a chance to make those judgments that we make visually I think and of yeah. course we judge people by their voice by their accent by their tone by their pee, by their pace by everything but I don't think we do it in the way that we do when we go, he looks rich, he looks depressed, she looks sexy, you know, all those things that take us away. So, actually, the proper podcasts, what I would call the proper podcasts, are genuinely audio podcasts. I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I really think that the form is a very... It's, it, it's, it's transformative in a strange way. Mm. So, the other question that I ask people mm. to introduce them mm. is... Uh, what do you do now? Oh, what do I do now? I do, I do lots of different things. And it is something that is very present in my mind at the moment. Because there's a lot of... There would be, there could be a lot of reasons for me to really specialise. Because I do too many things in a way. So I you know, work for big business and help them think properly together. And when they have big decisions to make... And because of you know they pay me you know, extremely well, it allows me to do stuff for nothing, and turn on a sixpence. And so do stuff for a school, or do stuff for a charity, or do stuff, as I did recently for a woman who'd fallen off a ladder, uh, suffered brain damage, and her personality has changed, and her family are trying to get used to this new mum. So I can just do that, 
and and so what's what's in common with all of these things whether it's working at a little school in Kingston or the board of Unilever or wherever else it is I'm I'm enabling the best possible conversation I think in essence that's what it is so if if the elevator pitches I help people talk to each other there's a richer <laughs> subtler version of it which which is something I am grappling with a lot at the moment yeah subtle there and well that's I mean, you ask me another question well, that's it could go in so many directions well though. maybe I'm being guilty here of, of, of not giving you enough time to just say the next thing which was one of the things that you talked about at the story that very <laughs> much interests me and I've tried to do that actually yeah. um, and I think it it really works when it when it works if you yeah. wait then somebody they fill in the gap they fill in yeah. the space you don't always have to do that but it's the hardest thing to do it's it, the hardest it really thing is. to do and it's really unnatural for me because I'm someone who I'm scared by silence are you I've always got sound going on okay, now okay. nowadays it's, it's podcasts yeah. in my in my yeah, headphones yeah. but I'm I'm very much yeah there's if you're in a room with me I'm nearly always talking if you're not talking. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Are there any exceptions to that out of interest? When do you fall quiet? Do you fall quiet? I, 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 don't, I don't... I fall quiet when I'm watching something. Yeah. And some people I feel comfortable enough to be quiet with. Mm-hmm. And they're the people I know I'm the closest to, I guess. Mm-hmm. But also I'm trying... I mean, you know, that statement about myself there, that's probably five years <laughs> different. Like, I'm consciously aware of how yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how exhausting it can be when someone's talking all the time mm. because you know I, I also experience that when I'm with people who talk all the time and, sure. and it, I've, I've, I've learned that you know there's, and there's nothing like going out with someone for a long period of time to really make you work on your on your behaviours because truth, and, and yeah. she doesn't and she doesn't ask me to that's the worst thing you know, because she never asked me to. I, I, it's it's up to me to improve myself because she's going to be yeah. nice about it, and I don't want to take advantage. Okay. Um, so that's okay. my my inner war there. But yeah, okay. but but where I was kind of going before I yeah. spun myself off in a different direction <laughs> was one of the things that was. I think a big inspiration for this project was listening to the dialogue project. I can't remember if I'd started getting better acquainted mm-hmm. or not when I saw the story, but certainly it it, it made me think about the what, what I was doing in okay. a different way, which is one of the reasons that I reached out out to you mm. and you you gave me some really useful constructive feedback. Actually, how did you end up being interested in conversation? Mm. That's a really, really good. That's a great question. Um, I thought about this a lot recently, for lots of reasons, and I think I've always been interested in conversation. I just didn't know it. Mm. I think for a very long time. So I was brought up with a mum who was not afraid to talk about anything. <laughs> Blessing, curse. I think I share a, a similar. Yeah, well, I've heard you talk a little bit about your mum, and I have thought about that resonance between, yeah, mums who aren't afraid to have the big conversations. Big deal for a for a boy, particularly, I think, you know, because yeah. you can you, because if you're not careful, you can develop a really good friendship with your mother, and I I do have that, and uh, and I had quite a big conversation with her on the phone on the way here, but I didn't know that. So when I was young, 
Um, so my mum and dad split up when I was five. My dad died when I was 13. So there was quite a lot of me and her. And my little brothers came along. But by the time they came along, I was seven and already behaving like a grown-up. Yeah. I, I, I was very adult, I think, as a child. Uh, and then I went through a period of being very childish as an adult. Looking for that happy medium, Dave. Looking for it now. Yeah. 40, 48 on Thursday. So what I'm saying is good conversation was around. It was just around the house, like good music was around the house. But I just didn't know it. Nobody ever called it anything. But when I realised how good it was, was when I went to other people's houses. <laughs> it wasn't there. Yeah. And I got interested in theatre. I became an actor. Got a bit bored with that. Um, became a director. I still direct one guy's plays now, which is lovely. That's like a hobby, and he happens to be doing very well, so that's nice. But then I still hadn't found what I was looking for, and then started to work in the area of creativity, so took what I knew from 15 years of experience in the theatre into different environments, into schools, into businesses and stuff, and found that I was having to describe something to a group of people who didn't know what it was I was talking about which made me more conscious, if you see what I mean, about having to... A bit like, you know, great scientists, and there are some amazing scientists around that yeah. who can talk to you. Communicators. Yeah. yeah. Who have realised that the most important thing is not that they should know it, but that they can share it. Yeah. So that made me very conscious of how I talked about, in my case, theatre, to a bunch of people who thought theatre was just a thing with big velvet curtains. So that kind of triggered me a little bit and I loved working with what I would call ordinary people i.e. people who weren't professional actors that excited me a lot but there was still something not right so we were helping businesses think creatively and all that and I was earning proper money for the first time in my life and I was becoming a dad so that obviously changed things a lot a lot actually because you had this incredible chance to look at this young person developing the ability to have conversation that was important. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I saw that the world valued conversation and the ability to have conversations. And so, pragmatically, as we were coming up to the millennium, I was doing some work with the, the guy I was running the business with at the time. We were doing some work on the, on the dome. Do you remember the dome? I do remember the dome. it used to be called the dome. And BT were putting a lot of money into the dome. Yeah. And they were putting a lot of money into a whole thing around conversation in the kind of it's good talk stuff but guess what about two months before January the 1st they decided it was too expensive to have human beings so they would put screens up and posters which is a shame but in that time we did a lot of work around what it is to have a great conversation and I was inspired by a man called Andrew Bailey who spent a lot of time studying conversation and an older guy called Jerry Egan Gerard Egan who's written an incredible book called The Skilled Helper and I started reading a lot about people who had studied this thing that we do all the time talk to each other so I was kind of gathering my weapons if you like but I didn't know what I was shooting at and then September 11 2001 came along and uh, me and Sam who were running a very successful little business together very tiny little business we're on the Strand, just down the road, and we were doing a kind of multinational meeting for Orange. 
and someone had come from Australia, someone had come from the States, someone had come from Brazil, someone had come from Japan, they were all over the place. And on the lift in the way up, somebody said, uh, something's going on in America. And we didn't know what it was. And uh, we got into this room and they had a big screen in the room. And somebody asked the little work experience guy, you know, 16 or something, to plug, you know, the yellow thing into the yellow thing to make the picture come up on the big screen. And we saw the second plane hit the, the Twin Tower. And the meeting happened because they'd come from Japan and America. Yeah. It was an uncancellable meeting. And anyway, so we had the meeting and it went okay. I'm so sorry, it's my son on the phone. That's all right. Do you mind if I to speak to no, him? No, that's fine, I'll pause it. You don't need to, but... Stanley Smith. Sorry. Hello, are you all right? <laughs> you went on a trip and we... We went on a, you went on a trip and we didn't know, mate. You forgot that you were going on a trip. How was the trip? Yes, you're walking back on your own in the dark. Is that all right? Yeah. What about what? Yeah, you, do, you need to do your tutor, so you need to just go home and do your tutor, I'm afraid. And then when you've done that, you can just chill out and relax. I know you are, mate, but just keep going. Get in, have a packet of crisps. And a... It's fine. Stan, it's fine. Just go back and then start it when you get there. Stay chilled out and it'll be fine. All right. Sorry not to give you more good news. All right. Bye. Stanley Smith, sorry about that. No, that's okay. I, um, I, you said you said I didn't need to, so I, I have left it recording. That's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> and 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 there you go. A conversation interrupting <laughs> another conversation. I mean, yeah. this is this is what it is to be social animals. I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, taking that op- opportunity yeah. to, well, of that cutting in. One of the things yeah. I was thinking about when you were talking to me just then about conversation is mm. how does this these skills that you've built up how do they impact on your actual real conversations that aren't on mic Dave you're too good at these questions you're getting right into it aren't you okay <laughs> they impact in lots and lots of ways and they impact really positively and they also honestly they also impact really negatively because I'm super conscious of the fact that even if my intention, and it's not, is to, if my intention is not to manipulate a conversation or not to be, you know, I mean, it must be like living with a dietitian, you know. Yeah. You can't have a packet of crisps, you know. So, so I mean, you should ask my ex-wife how easy it is to live with somebody who, <laughs> my ex-wife, and we couldn't stay together because we couldn't communicate. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not just about a bag of tricks and tools and, and rules. Um, and, and I'm also conscious, actually, that because of my um, insistence, really, that there is no such thing as an unhavable conversation, that having the kind of conversation, a dialogue, as I would call it, can lead to... Um, things being revealed and unveiled that yes. would otherwise not be. Yes. And that can have consequences. Yes. Right? 
and so I think it's 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 hard for other people. Yes. I, but, I, but but I but I cannot just leave it there. I have to, I have to also talk about the positive side. That Stanley, who I had to take that little call from because he'd forgotten he was going on a school trip, we didn't know where he was. We recorded a conversation in the car recently, and uh, we were talking away and talking away, and then he suddenly went. Anyway, we, we've lost track a bit. What, what were we talking about before we got off course? Oh, yes, how parents influence children. And in the same way that some, some, parents is, some parents' hearts would soar when their son scores a goal or their daughter wins a ballet medal, I burst in some yeah. with happiness because Stanley had just navigated in a conversation, <laughs> what I would call navigating. He'd noticed where we were on the journey as well as being on it. And, and what I know about that is that it means he will be better equipped to deal with the amazing opportunities that come your way, where the difference between making the most of the opportunity or not can be the quality of the conversation you have at that moment in your life. And it will help him handle the very difficult moments that come up, where again, the quality of, of his life will be influenced by the conversation he has right there and then. About what exams, you know, he's passed or not passed. It doesn't matter how rich, handsome, tall or anything else he is. If he has the capacity to see the opportunity and make the most of it in a conversation, then he'll be all right. So that's a very positive thing too. I mean, maybe that's, that's part of the nature of having the headphones on. Because I find that I'm much better at having conversations on mic than I perhaps okay. am in a, a social situation. You go so into a kind of mode? or I, I don't know if it's a mode. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all of the things, I guess, that you, you talk about. I'm properly listening, <laughs> I'm navigating, yeah. I'm kind of thinking, and I'm in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's how I sort of think of it. Most of my life... I'm not in the moment. I'm worrying about what's in the future. I'm okay. worrying about what's in the past. I'm mm-hmm. on my iPhone. I'm on. I'm listening to a podcast. I'm walking down the street. I'm smoking okay, a cigarette okay, all at okay, the same time. I'm, you know, and then the headphones come on. The microphone comes out, and this is where we're at. Yeah. This this is what happens. Yeah. This and, is where it is now. And so I can have better conversations, mm. and almost I've, I seek out the valuable conversations as well so I talk to I've talked to my mum in conversation I've talked to my dad in conversation Uh, I've tried to sort of talk to all of the family who will allow it and uh, same with friends but in order to have those conversations you put the headphones on is that what you say is that what you're saying I guess so interesting I mean I do find in everyday conversation that I sometimes think oh I wish I had a you know I'm sure I'm sure you do I wish I had a mic for this mm. and, and then I, and that and then I think well that's not being in the moment as soon as I yeah. think I wish I had a mic that means I'm not you're not there. experiencing that conversation and, and I'll tell you what I also feel sometimes is that I mean Bergman used to Bergman calls making films fishing for pearls I remember reading his book uh, called The Magic Lantern. Very beautiful book. I haven't, but I've heard about it's, it. It's lovely, and you can apply everything he says about the visual world, the filmmaking, to the audio world of, of, of radio and podcast. But there is... When, when, uh, when there is no microphone, and a lot of my work is without microphone, yeah. I mean, I don't know, 85%, 90% probably, when I'm running a live session, 
where the quality of the conversation is absolutely premium. It's like the stakes are high, whatever the context is, whether it's a you know life or death situation, may or may not be, or you know five, six, seven year olds in a primary school, teenagers, businessmen, whoever it is, and it's not being recorded. This is maybe where my theatre plug is useful. Yeah. Because the only people who are going to see that incredible moment tonight at the National Theatre on the Olivier stage are the people who turned up. Yeah. You know, it's like Formula One. You, part of you is going because there might be a crash. Oh, absolutely. Right? I, it, it, I studied uh, theatre at university. So okay, I'm, I'm, so I've you... I've had this, some of the same instincts. Perhaps, isn't that interesting? But I'm not... A, a, I'm a music. You know, most of my performance nowadays is music. Is music, but I, where the I same thing applies, that. though. Where the same yeah, thing applies. Absolutely. You know? Live performance. Yeah. Oh man, and and they're 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 famous. Those those recordings of those live gigs at I don't know Miles Davis or whatever it is when they do a particular set, you go man, and that's it's recorded. But there are also those gigs that weren't recorded, less and less so now. Yeah. <laughs> where people go, were you there on that night? Then were you there on that night? And so when I'm in those live situations where it's not being recorded, and you couldn't possibly record it because it's far too sensitive or delicate or difficult, and to attach the same importance to the quality of what you're doing in that moment, and it's nothing to do with legacy, it's nothing to do with the recorded moment or the played-back moment or the re-evaluated moment. Actually, in a way, there is nothing more exciting and thrilling. And scary as well because uh, because you think I can't edit this. I, I'm editing it now. Yeah. As it's coming out of my mouth, as I'm deciding to stop and listen, as I'm deciding now whether to ask you that big question or not. It's it's exciting. It's really exciting. Now, fishing for pearls. The best moments have been where there has been exactly that sense of a meeting between people. The moment. And the microphone happens to be on. Ah, I see. Because then you're kind of going, oh, man, oh, I've got that, I've got that. Yeah. I, 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 you I've know that, that feeling, yeah, yeah. But, but then, I mean, and I, I think there's something about it is to do with pressure, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it being an in- like, it being an intensive situation. So mm-hmm. you're talking about um, being on stage. There's a, there's a pressure there. If you're in an intense conversation, there's yeah, a pressure. Yeah. So I think... I can slip into this kind of mode in everyday conversations when a friend has a terrible problem that I need to talk about then I've always been actually a good listener and a good uh, advice giver people people consider me to be someone that's worth bouncing like problems off in a way that perhaps they wouldn't necessarily want to bounce you know, if we get into a political conversation, I'm yeah. much like more likely to spout some in- stupid <laughs> thing that I don't agree with later on. <laughs> okay. Whereas yeah. I think when I'm in the world of emotions, I can be a little bit more uh, useful to yeah. people, and, okay. and so I, and and that's a pressurised situation as well. Yeah. But th- where where I don't function very well in pressurised situations is when it's when there's when I'm trying to get something. Oh, that's where okay. I that's where I fall to pieces because I find the process of trying to get something to mm. be intrinsically dishonest, mm. and so I've never been a good networker. 
and it's only just recently I've realised okay, okay. networking the best way is just to be myself yeah. and to have the conversations mm-hmm. that I would have mm-hmm. and if that means that I turn people off fine because I certainly turn people off being stressed about the idea of okay, talking okay. to them so. but in a way though you've found the perfect networking solution for you though haven't you because through the podcast because you, you don't actually have to physically be present for you people can... to get an idea of who I am absolutely although it does mean that they get lots of facets of who I am yeah one thing I've found is that I am quite I tend to sort of slightly reflect the person I'm talking to so I'll, talk, yeah, okay. I'll probably talk posher when I'm talking to someone posh and I'll talk more measured when I'm talking to someone measured but also the nature of the podcast and one of my rules is to be truthful yeah. with some with some with some reasonable exceptions that I'm obviously not going to go into yeah but that means that there is a lot out there increasingly you can sort of build up a picture of who I am from these conversations and and some of those things probably won't like some of them will put me in a better light than others Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, some people mm -hmm. will react better or worse to some pieces of my life Mm -hmm. kind of coming to them in a kind of jigsaw puzzle Mm -hmm. but that in a way I get a sense listening to your work that that's part of the project yeah definitely isn't it definitely you're, you, you are consciously deciding to kind of put yourself out there. Yeah, definitely. In some of your work, it's like really explicit that yeah. that's what you're doing. Yeah. In, in other things, yeah, then I suppose the reflected light that you see or, or hear you in, depending on who you're sitting opposite, uh, can show you in yeah, different aspects of your, your identity. Yeah, I, I, I do sort of one of the ways I describe it is, 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 is as an autobiography through conversation mm. uh, and that certainly is, is, is definitely part of it yeah so talking about navigating mm-hmm, so we were nice. back we were it was September the 11th the meeting was continuing yeah yeah what happened what then? happened then um, the meeting finished I walked home across Hungerford Bridge the old Hungerford Bridge I think it was then and I don't know where you were on that day but that they, they stopped planes landing at most international airports so uh, we didn't know this at the time You know, we were conscious of London, those of us were here but planes were circling extremely low around the city which of course is exactly what <laughs> it looked like they'd been doing yeah. in New York, New York and everyone else and so there was genuine terror in this city at that time terrorism, that's what that was and so we, so we all made our way to Waterloo Station very calmly and in a British way. Nobody was saying very much to each other. And I went home to my um, youngest son was not even one, I think. He was born. No, no, he must have been one. Anyway, he was very young. And uh, we all had the immediate reactions. But the thing, that, the, the thing that really influenced me was that I'm an extremely optimistic person. It's very difficult for me to see the dark side of things well no that's not true I do see the dark side of things but I look at them very positively (laughs) I love looking at the dark things in life but for the first time I think in my life I think in my life I felt not depressed but I felt a bit like one of those Russian dolls is it that always come back up you know, because they've got that weight at the bottom that was... Oh, they can't fall down, the wobbly, yeah. wobbly things. the kind of wobbly okay. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like I was on my side for a little bit. And I thought, because in many ways my life was going incredibly well. I had a young family. I was doing well at work. I was doing my own thing. I wasn't working for anybody else. I seemed to be pretty confident, you know, enjoying lots of good things in my life. 
but but this just felt like one of those moments like well if I don't look at what I'm doing now when will I when will I and I thought a lot about the business of difference and and honestly it's, it's a bit of a cliche but there was a speech that inspired me Bill Clinton made a speech that November and this was this was the, the, the Bill Clinton who was mired in the Lewinsky affair. He was not the golden boy anymore. No, no. He was not seen as the first black president of the United States. He was seen as the first, well, not the first, but blackened president of the United States. His status was very low. And he made an extraordinarily precise human speech about difference and how, if we want strawberries all year round, as he put it, you know, if we want the global society, then we have to accept that our neighbourhood just got bigger. And so difference is staring us in the face in a way that it, it hasn't been before. And for some reason, it just really, really struck a chord with me. And suddenly, you know that lovely thing when you've got, you've got something in your pocket that somebody says, oh, if only I had a comb or a, you have got a mirror, if you haven't got a, you know, Nurofen, you go, yeah, actually, yeah. I've got some Nurofen in my back. I saw this gaping whole of difference and thought I've got something in my back I've got something in my back and it's called How to Have Better Conversations and so I began to gosh this all sounds very planned and strategic, it wasn't like this at all this is all reverse engineering actually the truthful thing is I booked I booked the hall, you know that thing if you ever want to make something happen, yeah. book the fucking hall yeah. pay for it and you'll put something and you have to do it yeah I've recently just done exactly that have you good for you okay good yeah. uh, it will happen literally that way yeah okay so I booked uh, a very nice hall a kind of run down house in the south of France and decided to get ten people who really knew what it was to have a conversation when the stakes were high from all different walks of life and invited them over for three days no money they had to pay their own flights they just had to turn up uh, in fact, I think I might even have had to charge them to pay to pay for the food. And so we had, you know, a Middle East peace negotiator, cancer surgeon, an army officer, primary school teacher, an artist, a whole bunch of people, ten people, and created a little formula for a way that those ten people could sit around a table, a round table, um, and talk as, as a group of ten, but also in pairs, and mixed the pairs up, and they came back two and forth and I created a nice little structure for it great level of structure and at the end of those three days when everybody went away I remember lying on the sofa I booked myself rather brilliantly a later flight I hate, always hated travelling with lots of other people and I lay on this sofa and I thought now I have found the thing that I can do now I've found the thing I can do and in a way, it was a bit like the step from going from an actor to a director. You know, it was like I got off the stage and went to the back of the stalls and looked at it from there. And, and now I had, as it were, stopped being the interesting person, telling people what to do. And actually what I'd done was I decided to bring people together and help them say what they want to say. Yeah. And that was a good moment, a good moment. And then I came back and somebody said, wow... You must have amazing all that material. So you got those incredible people together for three days. What are you going to do with all that material? It's like, uh, what material? I haven't got any material. The material is those ten people going back into their worlds of cancer surgery and Middle East peace negotiations and teaching and all that, influenced by what 
by the change that's happened. Yeah. So I, I got my shit together and started recording them. Yeah. Which was good. But actually, I, I don't, I've never published any of those. I would do, but it's almost impossible to listen to. But what I did start to do was when I came back, I would then go and meet them and then have the conversation like we're having now, just one to one. Yeah. So that was it. The round tables formed what I did. Did something change when you started recording? When you started using the recorder? It's another nice question. Yes and no. Uh, irritating answer, but yes, yes, in the sense that I think people realised that I always asked permission. You know, I said, look, I want you to bear in mind that my intention is for other people to hear this, people who aren't here. Yeah. Again, my theatre blood, you know. There is an audience out there. Absolutely. There's a yeah. lot of people who couldn't come to France who might be interested in this, so be aware of that. But I also, you know, if I, if, I, if, I, if I take away the control with that hand, I give it back with the other, because I say if there is anything you don't want to be heard, then, of course, you, you have editorial control. Which do you is, say that to people? I do indeed. In yeah. fact, what I realise is... A bit, I turn on the microphone so, on so early and I've, I've not got my normal kit bag that, to remind me, but I haven't got you to sign, to sign the release. So OK, I OK, I have to okay. get you to do that afterwards. I promise I will. But yes, I do. And, yeah. and in fact, I guess with you as well, because I know that you talk on mic for a living, mm. I probably I wasn't sort of thinking in that kind of that same mindset. And yeah, I, I absolutely do. And people list areas they don't want to go into and the policy is if someone says cut that then them saying cut that gets also removed. So okay, that no okay. one knows that there was ever an area okay. they didn't want to So get. the collusion between you and your your subject is that if they say that, that won't be heard. Yeah, that's that's right. Okay. I mean... You have a safe word. Interesting. And Well, it, it, it doesn't even have to be cut that. It can be anything that implies cut that. Mm. But actually... Why don't you use... Really why don't you... It. That's interesting. Nobody's ever used it. Nobody really has ever used uh, okay. it. Okay, it's my experience too. Um, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Th- there have been occasional times when, after the event, people have realised there was something they shouldn't have said, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they've been removed because yeah. you know, yeah. even though I've got a form that says I can use whatever, I, I'm, I'm not. These are my friends and family as well, so yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's a further <gasps> kind of pressure. Yeah, um, and I don't want anyone's life to be ruined by a conversation. No, no, no. Um, but, but what, but Dave, what I find the funny thing, so when I say to people, anything you say that you don't want other people to hear, you can absolutely say, I don't want that to be heard. And people have, you know, on the conversations I did on pain, people were talking about fisting, they were talking about cutting themselves, they were talking about being burnt, uh, on the conversations about sex, yeah. there was a guy, to, you know, it's really big, the only thing that anybody's ever said, I don't want you to use that, was when a woman said to me, uh, just to explain, we're, we're, in the, we're recording this in the National Theatre and that's why there's been other people having conversations in the background and I th- we think they might be the cast of War Horse, of just, are just leaving and the, the chairs made some noises. But it was handy, it gave me an opportunity to give some context to the conversation, Very which nice. I was hoping to do. Now it's all quiet, it's five past five, so the actors have stopped working. Um, where were we? Yes, out of all of those things, those, you know, deviant and filthy and deeply personal things that people have talked about, the only thing that anyone's ever said to me is, please don't play that, 
was um, a woman said, I mentioned that my mother was born in Nottingham. She would hate it if people knew. <laughs> Can you not let that go out? Yeah. So people are very sensitive to... But it's a good, there's a good lesson for us. People are very sensitive to things that you and I might go, well, whatever. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I have to choose my words very carefully here. One of the conversations that I recorded, before I said, you know, so I say, please tell me areas that you don't want to... The, okay. the irony of this, I've realised, I've come to realise since I made the film, is that people have to reveal very personal things in order for me to avoid them. Yeah. And actually... But the, off mic, though, that's the Absolutely. Yeah, and the okay. person I was speaking to realised the necessity to do that more than, more than I think I did, because the person sat down with me and said, I do not want to tell you this incredibly big detail right. about their life okay. that I didn't know, <gasps> um, that lots of people I know didn't know. Mm. And they, want, they told me this in order to avoid it, but also because they knew it would inform every part of our conversation. Yeah. And they realised that for us to have a really honest and open conversation, I needed to know that detail. Mm. But the audience... That wasn't for the audience. That was just for me, um, and it's it was a it was a and they sat me down, and I mean I was in the moment for that yeah, conversation, yeah, yeah. and that was forty minutes of just the most amazing life story. Uh, it would have been. I mean, it's it's you know it's it was very strange. I sat down. I was told the best thing ever, and then I had a good conversation afterwards. Sure, but, but you it was know, nothing it's like not the like the one that got away. Yeah. But that one that got away as well, you can even, if I was a less, if I had less kind of strict ethics in this way, yeah. then I can see that some people might say, well, that's such a good story, mm. the world deserves, do you know what I mean? It would help mm. other people mm. In, mm. and all that sort of thing. And, 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 but, but for me, that's not, that's not important. The, the world's got lots of great stories. Okay. Okay. That story wasn't what that person wanted to do. Well, tell. I wonder if this is a point of difference for us. How interesting. This is nice to talk about this, or a point of distinction. So, my experience has been that somebody said to me yesterday, people talk to you, don't they? They tell you all kinds of things. What is it about you that, that, that makes people think that you know, they can tell you these things? And maybe there is something... But, but uh, well, I hope there is. I hope there is a sense of respect, and I hope there is a sense of appreciation as a, as a as a person. And I hope one of the big things about a dialogue is it must be a non-judgmental conversation. Mm. But we are human beings. When you said earlier on, you know, being truthful is something that's very important to you in these conversations. I remember interviewing a therapist once about truth and honesty, and she was great. She said, "Honesty, honesty." She was from Canada. I don't know very good accent. Uh, honesty, honesty. How honest do you want to be? That's how honest do you want to be? Nobody's completely honest. No, absolutely. Nobody's completely. No, honest. I mean, I, I, I know I'm not completely honest. Yeah, and we have degrees. I can only assume that most people are also not completely honest. Yeah, and you and I might be very honest, yeah. say about the, our concerns about when we're interviewing people and how far we can go and how responsible we should be for them or how much we should give them responsibility. We might have a conversation that's, you know, quite edgy about that, but we may not go near anything else, you know, about fatherhood or being a man or whatever it is. With somebody else, 
you would find that a very difficult conversation to be open about, you know, how you do your interviews. So it's so different with every single person you meet. But the thing is, and maybe this is time chasing me or something, (laughs) but I am interested. I am interested in the fact that when people sit down at the beginning of a conversation, they may well have decided, even if only tacitly, not to say a whole series of things. And if the conversation has, sorry to use the word, but it's the right word, a dialogic quality, if you're getting somewhere together, if you're moving somewhere together, if the conversation becomes a, a space that's happening, people can find themselves, and so can I, saying things we had no idea we were saying. Yeah, I've certainly experienced that on both, like I've yeah. had people I've talked to who've revealed things they weren't expecting to reveal, and I've, I've certainly revealed a lot of things I was never expecting yeah. to reveal. Do um, you have that? Who's two very, uh, very unusual people uh, who I wouldn't necessarily, but I'm not, I'm not very good at, I'm not very good at boundaries anyway. I'm, that's you mean one you're not very re- good at obeying them, or not very good at. Uh, I'm not very them. good. At, I'm not very good at having them with my own conversation. Okay, so yeah. I, that one, that's one of the reasons I'm I'm a good conversationist, yeah. and also why I'm not very good at <laughs> okay. networking good because I'm I, I I sit down and I don't have small talk. So very, yeah. you might have been speaking to me for three minutes, and I might be talking about sex, mm-hmm. or I might be talking mm-hmm. about um, you know some other other t- slightly taboo subject, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know emotional thing. Not even mm-hmm. not even. Yeah, not that the content has yeah, to be for like kind of a level salacious. of emotional interaction that people yeah, just yeah. weren't. They didn't get up that day expecting, yeah. and, and and I know that this is a flaw and a strength. Like like all of these things, it's it's a neutral thing, and, and it can go either way. But oh, I don't think it's neutral. I think it's a flaw and a strength. I think you got it right okay, first time. I okay. think it's a weakness and a strength. I don't think it's neutral. I think it's absolutely the, it's energy, man. It's energy. Yeah, and that is actually what you're after is energy in a conversation isn't it yeah i guess so i don't think it depends on the person if they want that energy but what yeah but energy is i mean it's a very vague word isn't it but i was editing conversation last night that um so i i use um do you use any software for cleaning up your sound i do you i do clean clean sound but yeah I, i just use my my editing program that i generally use which is currently adobe audition but it used to be right. cool edit pro 2 till recently okay. i've just upgraded Probably. we've just lost there a whole load of listeners well they can they can um, deal with that <laughs> i use a thing called sound soap right and i didn't use the and uh this thing of the one that got away so i went all the way down to gloucestershire and interviewed a beautiful man called adrian not the adrian who talks about being gay another adrian who's a pain doctor and he talked about oh my god the the sensitivity with which he has to approach his work because he talked about a woman who had her breast surgically removed and he was the first person to touch the scar and he talks about what that moment is and he's very tender sensitive empathetic man and it was a great conversation Dave great conversation and I got back and I listened to it and there was so much air there was it was unlistenable to and suddenly and there was no sound so I didn't know about cleaning up sound then yeah. I was an amateur and then I thought hang on a minute hang on a minute I must have some wild track of that so I did the wild track took out the sound and now I can put it out there which I'm delighted by why am I saying all that 
I can't remember. You oh, were no. saying the one that got away was where, where, away. You, where, where you got to. But we were talking. Well, we were talking about um, energy, 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 energy. Of it, sorry, yeah. and I can concisely make my point. I'm sorry, I do that's wang right. on. No, no, no. That's fine for this format. That's fine. <laughs> it is all right for this format, isn't it? Damn you in your sixty minutes. There is an incredible energy in what Adrian says, and he talks so quietly and so slowly, and there is such energy in the conversation I found that to be really something I've noticed that some of the slowest speakers who leave big pauses are often the most amazingly engaging to listen to whereas I scutter all about and and in fact most of my editing is to take my own Repetitions, yeah. ums, oh, all of that stuff. I mean, know. I know. I mean, where well, you edit, edit, you're hardly you you edit yourself so that you're very. I'm hardly there. Hardly there yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I spoke less, and <laughs> then I could maybe do that. Yeah, but it's but. a different form. But it, you know, you touched on it there. It's a very different form. I sometimes wish. So in the in the podcast on that I've made on the skills of dialogue, where it's not so much the content that's interesting, it's the, it's the how, not the what. I have to have myself in there. Because actually what you're trying to say is, look, all I did was ask the same question three times. Or, you know, I probed here or I paused or I checked or whatever it was. And then I have to put myself in. Yeah, that's right. And actually, the most beautiful bits of the conversation are where you hear not just what is revealed, but what came before. You know, wouldn't it be fantastic if you knew what what had happened every time, you know, in in the ten minutes before you tripped? Something must have happened to us. You know, we were distracted by something or maybe just delightfully in love or something, something, something. And so I think the run-up to those little moments of breakthrough are fascinating. And I study and study and study them. Yeah, I do. In editing, as you know, in editing a conversation, you get to know it fearsomely well. And you, you talk about really difficult, as you've already mm. alluded to, you talk about really difficult things with some of the people. Yeah, sometimes, talked. yeah, pain and sadness and, and stuff. And, I mean, generally speaking, the nature of my podcast is those things may come up. Yeah, well, they do. And they do. Yeah. And some people are, go into the conversation with the intention to speak about Okay, them. yeah. And that might be the thing that they want. Because one of the things is I say to people, and most people say, no. Mm. There's nothing. But I say, is there anything you'd like to talk about? In my okay, because okay. I find that if I talk to people about things that they yeah. uh, would like to talk about, that generally is something that they have lots to say about. Mm, mm, and, mm. you know, as we're talking about, the form of 60 minutes means I need people to have lots to say. Yeah, yeah, sure. And But that said, often I'm, ex- you know, deliberately avoiding the big... Yeah. the big areas yeah. that, that, that I know about in their lives or that, that we know about together in our, each other's lives because they're, they're not comfortable with that. Yeah. I mean, how do you approach the big topics that you have to talk about? Oh, man, I love your questions. Um, I do know what the answer is, so I won't be bashful about this. I do know what I'm talking about on this one. And it comes back to that theatre analogy of the live event. That I do everything I can. I'm not uh, arrogant enough to say that I do, but I do everything I can to create the conditions where the conversation itself, if we were to throw away the tape at the end of the hour or whatever it is, 
has benefit just for having happened. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So, so you, it doesn't matter whether it's ever heard or recorded or edited. So there is a health, if you like, to the conversation. There is a purpose behind it. There is a... everyone coming on the 5.15 backstage call, please make their way to the information desk. That's the 5.15 backstage call. Thank you. Thank you. That's a nice push, Scott. There is a value in the conversation itself, not just in the recording and editing of it. And uh, the word I was just about to use before the lovely lady interrupted was there is, there is a therapeutic element that doesn't mean it's therapy does it no right but it there's a therapeutic what what's the word quality uh spirit take your pick but there is something therapeutic about the meeting and when i'm is it a dialogue in its is it both sides that it's therapeutic for I, I, I believe honestly that it must be because it is for me because the ones that I've had that have been the deepest that have been about very dark subjects I believe that they've been beneficial for my for the person I'm speaking to yeah. but they've also been incredible like I use the word blessed about those oh, about those conversations and I don't normally use that word yeah. and, and I feel self-conscious yeah. saying it doesn't belong to you but it but but I do feel that something. I guess it's this thing that you you you, you have for your t- slogan: two plus two equals five. Yeah. It's that one. Yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. That it's the one that that comes from somewhere else. Or, or it's it the what? It's the one you make together. It's the one you make together. I mean, the technical you know dialogue is a co-created conversation. Or well, there's a very beautiful Islamic uh, definition of a dialogue called al khawar which means an exchange leading to a revelation. And then the guy, Stephen, who I've interviewed about listening, talks about that listening isn't something that you're doing or I'm doing. Listening is something that starts to happen. Mm. <laughs> well, it makes me go a bit goosebumpy when I think about yeah. that. That, that. Listening starts to happen. And, and I have experienced that with people who are not interested in conversation, who they might be a brand manager for Marmite, or they might be a seven-year-old girl, or they might be a 13-year-old who's not been really, you know, heard. They could be anybody. They don't have to be skillful at it. You can... Here's another funny word that I use with conversation. You can afford, in a conversation, you can afford listening. And I think when that happens... Yeah... I know, blessed. Isn't it funny? And there I am saying spiritual. That's not a word I use no, either. No, and it's it's what the fuck very does all this strange. mean? Why are we why are we suddenly getting all? But it but it, uh, and it's well it's it's a strange thing because this project is strangely to me been a lot about faith. Yeah, the, the one of okay. the things that just generally generally comes up, and I'm an agnostic, and yeah. I, 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 and I, you know, even as far as you know, my. my my girlfriend, when we did our conversation, mm. which was an in- interesting process to embark on as, mm. as people in a relationship, kind of a window into something that probably no- we've never shared with other people the way mm-hmm. we speak to each other alone. Yeah. But, but she wanted to talk about being an atheist, mm. like, almost as a response to a lot of the conversations yeah, that have yeah, been yeah. about faith. But, but I didn't, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, you tend to think <laughs> we're quite a secular society. Yeah. And, and then yet, Every single one of my friends and family seem to have a spiritual dimension to what they're 
at least they're, they're reaching for something, mm-hmm. you know. And that Maybe that's the great thing that, that, that raging capitalism is giving us, is that it's, it's so out there, it's so unspiritual and so unconnected and undeep, it's so shallow, fun but desperately shallow. Maybe, and we're all seduced by it in, in one way or another. Absolutely. But maybe it's pulling, pulling, it's pulling that rubber band so far the other way that we're leaning back into yeah. something that we, yeah, perhaps religion, perhaps organised religion used to give it to us. Also, we should be careful, you know, that the, the conversations I had around the country with, uh, on the, the project was called Your Thoughts With Mine, and I was facilitating conversations with Muslim communities around this country. Man, there are a lot of people in this country with big faith, big faith. Yeah. And it's not about tea parties and, and weddings, you know. It's about, it, it, it is a way of life. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that was quite, what's the word when you get humbled, you know, humbling. <laughs> it was quite humbling. No, I... I when I kind of went, whoa, hang on a minute. You haven't got it, you haven't got it. There, there, is a, there is a capacity for faith that is not just about religion and church. And my practice of, you know conversation sometimes does feel like it, it gets into territory that I cannot explain through just rational logical absolutely but I'm reluctant to admit that if I'm honest because I want everything to you know <laughs> I want to make sense I want to say it's, it's these ten skills yeah. and it's you know, it's well this. that's what you're doing aren't you you're yeah. kind of coming up with a system for yeah. how conversations work yeah but and, and I'm I'm like that. I'm a, I'm oh, yeah. someone who is very technical and yeah. gets very. I'm a, as a writer and as a musician, I'm I'm, okay, I'm always about yeah. structure. I'm always about like okay, let, let's get a plot down. Let's sure. get, let's get it all worked out. What's the acts? Where's yeah. the acts? Nice. Where's okay. the beats? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't do that in these conversations, yeah. and I find that liberating. Yeah. But also. I mean, I, I do analyse it because I can't help yeah, but analyse I'm sure, it. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I can see. Yeah. But, 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 uh, but the thing that all artists, I think, or performers or people probably, mm. I think that everybody is kind of, we, we analyse it, we get it all down, yeah. and then there's the extra thing. Mm. If you follow all the steps, mm. you're not necessarily going to be a great writer. No. If you follow all the steps, you're not necessarily going to be a good, great actor because mm-hmm. there has to be this other thing, mm. this mm. this. This this quality that we can't we can't can't describe. We can't describe, describe but we mustn't give up trying. No, so you know because that's, that's why that's we the, do it. That's we the do it to try and describe it? that Absolutely. that thing that we can't yeah. describe. That's that's why I do any anything creative. I think yeah. is to try and describe the indescribable. And for what it's worth, where I am with that right now is it's something about intention, something about intention that I do believe. Not if you want it enough, it'll happen. I don't believe that. But I do believe that if you... If your intentions are, let's say, sound, rather than honourable, because that's got a moral word, let's say that there's a soundness. You might be wrong, but you have a soundness, you have an authenticity, an integrity to your intention, that you somehow create more of a possibility for... The response, the the that's that other thing to walk in and be all right, and that's where the therapeutic thing comes in. I think that if your intention is to be there for the other person, but not as a doctor. And, and when I start conversations with people, I say to them, I, and I used to have my list. You know, I'm not your friend. 
We may never meet again after this conversation. I'm not a qualified therapist. I'm not a counsellor. But neither am I a doctor. And, uh, but but I, I like to think that I'm a non-judgmental person. Mm. And I'm not a journalist. I'm not after a story. And it is... I find this a lot in business, actually, working with business people. They, they, they're desperate to know what it isn't as much as what it is. Mm. It's a really useful conversation. What isn't this about? <laughs> it's a great conversation. And if you can... Dialogue terms, what we're talking about here is purpose and parameters. And the thing about purpose and parameters is it creates territory for you to both step into together. And the joy of it is that because you've made it together at the beginning, if halfway through you kind of go... I think we need to change our parameters a little bit, don't we? We said we wouldn't talk about this, but we have to, don't we? You can. And the reason you can is you can do it together. Yeah. And in a, in a manipulative conversation, one person is changing the purpose and parameters halfway through the conversation. And it's called hypnosis, and it's called NLP, and it's all called all that stuff. Well, it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that I... One of the things that I've occasionally been criticised for by friends who've listened to the show is not being harder oh, on the people that I talk yeah, to. Yeah, I can hear, I can imagine how they might say that. And I, and I, I can too, and I know what they mean, because I'm consciously deciding not to do that, mm. because I'm trying to be empathetic, mm. and I'm trying to be non-judgmental, mm. and I'm, I'm full of judgment, as, as everybody is, mm-hmm. um, and, and one of the things I find really liberating about these conversations is often they free me from that. After I've had a conversation with yeah. some, someone the things that I would once have ranted about in their character, I now find endearing part of who they are and, and actually I feel warm about them and actually sometimes I've, I've, I've got closer to people through these conversations yeah I can imagine and, uh, so what are you doing but what are, you, are you just accept, accepting them is that what you're I think doing? so for example I mean, and this is becoming a teaser of the series, so it's very far down the line. Good, good, good. Nothing wrong with a teaser, Dave. The third, the third conversation that I have with my mother, the process of doing that, trying to put myself into my mother's shoes, yeah. and we are very similar, because sort of genetically, mm. that meant that suddenly I could forgive her in a way and I've forgiven her lots of times in different ways over my life but in a way that oh it was such a relief it was such a relief yeah wow look at your face and you can hear (laughs) what an amazing thing to be able to say how lovely well yeah I was pleased to and can I ask you so let's just litmus test this what was your intention in that conversation can you remember, did you have an explicit intention? I think I wanted an apology. Wow, and you said earlier on, it's when you go into a conversation wanting something that you can mess yeah. it up. Yeah, But it's you funny. did want something. I think I wanted an apology. I don't know if I had conceptualised that as, 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 as clearly as that. And what I learned was that I, I neither need an apology nor want an apology. Ooh. That's what I learned. Wow. In that case, about that person. Yeah. But you see, there's something in that. You did want something, and we do have wants and we do have needs. But a great friend of mine called Anthony Venditti, who I've interviewed a few times, but even when I'm not interviewing him, his voice is often with me. And he said, just to understand somebody, 
he say understand? Just to hear. No, he said just to hear somebody. Just to hear somebody. And then hopefully understand them. You have to go into a conversation prepared to give up the thing most dear to you. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have to give it up. No. But you have to go in prepared to give it up. Yeah. Otherwise, you are not going in with an open mind. No, true. And you had, it sounds like, very dear to you was a need for or a desire for an apology. Yeah. And at some point you had to give that up. The question is, what comes into that space instead? Yeah. yeah. And that's when, that's when a conversation's cooking, is when other stuff comes in. So this is what I mean by fives. That something comes in the room that no, you didn't even know it had the shape or the smell or the colour of that. The last thing we were expecting. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful... That's worth a million hours. No, I mean, it's this project has uh, is, is, is altered my character, I think, in fundamental ways. Mm. It's also been a really powerful experience. I'm mm. almost, I have to sort of resist the urge to tell everybody to go out there and record everybody they know because yeah. I don't want the competition. <laughs> <laughs> But I do think now, it's a valuable question. It's okay? time, yeah. It's time, really. How for... do you do the time thing? How do you when do, when do you finish these conversations? Okay, well, I I have a stopwatch going. Yeah. And I go. I aim for an hour, but I will go over if the conversation requires. It's really motoring. Okay, okay. But I think this is the point in this conversation where I'm going to say to you: Is there anything that you have? that you'd like to plug which is the how I end it. and people have interpreted this right from the beginning in yeah. a really surprising way to me as I originally thought well it's just so that they can push their do their thing yeah. push their things if they've got things I want, yeah, yeah. I yeah. want the conversation to be as valuable to them as, as it can be oh, that's nice, yeah. but people have quite a while now been um, just coming up with their kind of ethos the things the thing in life that they want to push for people really? which surprise I never thought that the word plug would imply that no and in fact I wish I, I wish I'd chosen the word that implied that more because then people <laughs> would do that more because sometimes people still don't like the word plug and it just closes them okay 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 but yeah all right well I'll do both you've done you've been so explicit how could I do anything other than both uh, I would love people to listen to my conversations but more than that I would love people if they know of so the big subjects that I've tackled so far, and they are only so far, are pain, sex, and friendship. And if anybody knows anyone who is in a difficult place in any of those three subjects, I do think there might be a conversation in there somewhere that might help that person you know. And I, I'm very conscious that some people find it very difficult to reach out to other people. They want to, but they don't have the skill. They don't have the capacity. They don't have the courage sometimes. So if you know someone who is in a great deal of pain and is desperately lonely, go and have a listen to some of those pain conversations. If you know someone who's struggling, who's terrified of sex, or has had a bad sexual experience, or is a young woman and, and doesn't know how to deal with men, or anything... Fuck's sake, go and have a listen because there are some, and it's not me, I do, it, I do an okay job of talking to these people, but I have managed to find some, I like the fact that your thing is about talking to ordinary people, and you know as well as I do, there are some extraordinary ordinary people around. Absolutely. And so I would love people to listen, and that, that is really why I do what I do, because I don't think that, I don't think it's fair that 
you know, the devil shouldn't have the best genes. Well, I've got, I've got a sneaking admiration for the devil, but I think, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like his genes. We all do. Yeah. We all do. But, but what I mean is not every mother can talk to their daughter about self-harm. Mm. Some mothers would just not be able to do that. It would be too hard for them for some very good reasons. Yeah. But if they had a little listen to, to Yvette, for instance, talking about why she harms herself, she might just answer. So that's my plug. So where can they find all those conversations? Okay, uh, good. Go to the website, uh, thedialogueproject.com. Uh, and you can go to the blog and, and all that stuff, you'll find it. But just hit thedialogueproject.com. Um, so that's that plug. And you can search for that on iTunes as well. You can get it on iTunes. On iTunes it's called 2 plus 2 equals 5 with no words, just numbers and symbols. So thank you for that opportunity. Right. And, and thank you for this conversation, which has been really interesting. I found it very interesting too. I sometimes say that there are too many meetings and not enough meetings. Right? And, and it, it feels like we have met, particularly in that last... Don't know how long it was, but we were really yeah rapport. Yeah, there was a little bit of meeting. There, yeah, and that was nice. I really enjoyed that. It's thrilling. Actually. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's all I need or want to say. So I yeah, thank you, Mel. Well, thank you very much for coming on. And the last thing I ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience. To say goodbye. Yeah. There's only one way that I could possibly say goodbye, which is to say yeah, thank you for listening. Find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook, it's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website, www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. The hall that I talk about booking with Carl is the Leicester Square Theatre and I'm going to be running and comparing a monthly show there called Stand Up Tragedy. Check it out at www.standuptragedy.co.uk The first night will be happening on the 6th of February and tickets are available for that and for all the nights from the Leicester Square Theatre box office. It's also going to be available as a podcast so check it out on its SoundCloud page or have a search for it on iTunes and subscribe there. The live nights are going to be fantastic. I've got some really great acts booked and we're not just having a live night though. We're also going to be releasing a free weekly short form this time podcast of extracts from those shows.